and welcome to the Peaceful Pastures podcast, finding peace in the pastures, spending 10 minutes each day with your shepherd. I am Pastor Daniel Lewig, and this podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministries of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. On day two, we capture the context. We recognize our world today is just a little bit different than the world at the time of the Bible. There are customs, practices, idioms, descriptions of locations that are lost on us. On this day, we take the opportunity to explore the context of the chapters in front of us. Yesterday, we listened to chapters 1 through 4 of Genesis. Let's explore what's taking place surrounding this lesson. Before we begin, let us start with prayer. Heavenly Father, sanctify us through your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. As we look at these chapters, we're going to take a look at a couple of key phrases and and words and define them and and see the the picture that God is painting for us here in chapters 1 through 4. In chapter 1, we see this phrase repeated six times. There was evening and there was morning. Why do you think that is? Why does each day that is described as God goes through uh, his created order, as God creates his perfect masterpiece, why does Scripture end, uh, that portion of Scripture end, that day end, by saying there was evening and there was morning? Well, what does that phrase say if we step back and just ask, what is it that that phrase is stating? What picture is it painting? That is a, a very descriptive and detailed phrase. If you would be asking someone if they would put that at the end of their sentence or at the end of describing their week, well, that would sure seem to describe those 24-hour days. That's what God is doing here. He is providing that very easy, clear definition of what each of these days are. He frames it in a way in which we would understand. There is evening and there is morning the first day. There is evening and there is morning the second day, and so on. The challenge that that people have with this phrase and Scripture does not deal with what comes within Scripture itself, but the biggest challenge is external factors. People look at things being created over millions and billions of years with regard to evolution. But if we're letting Scripture speak for itself, if we're letting Scripture define itself, there's nothing hard of understanding in this chapter. There was evening and there was morning the first day. When we let Scripture speak for itself, which is a very excellent principle to remind ourselves that the authority of Scripture rests within itself, if we let Scripture define itself uh, to make else uh, make more challenging passages more clear, uh, there we rest on solid ground. Uh, God here is painting for us what he wants us to know about him and what he has created. We let God speak for himself. In chapter 2, maybe you're a little confused. When you look at chapter 1, and it goes through the detailed creation account, in chapter 2, you might wonder, is God repeating himself? Why, Why do we have the same thing here? Well, as we look at this chapter, what we see is something a little bit more from going from broad to specific. 
In chapter 1, we see the the broad painting of creation taking place. But in chapter 2, it zooms in on the crown of God's creation, an elaboration of the details on one specific part of creation, of man and woman. So there we, we watch as God tells us about what he created throughout his his days of creation, and we go and zoom in on the crown of that creation in, in chapter 2. So go back and look at those chapters again. Read chapter 1 and then look at chapter 2 and see what the differences are. See what stands out to you when you understand that is zooming in on that particular part of God's created order. In chapter 3, we hear the word that is used often in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that word hostility. The verse again reads, I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will crush his heel. In other translations, maybe you've heard that word enmity uh, being used. This hostility, this enmity, what is, what is being said here? Well, when we look at what Adam and Eve have done at this point, what they have done is allied themselves with Satan. Their attitude towards God changed. Instead of wanting to be in his presence, instead of being excited to see him, it's replaced with fear and hiding. This hostility means you have two people that used to be together, used to be of the same mind and the same image, that are now separated, that are now at odds. Sin creates this hostility. Sin puts us at arm's length from God, creates this barrier between us, and what used to be together is now separate. The promise that is given there uses the description of the promise of the seed of the woman. It is important to note that Hebrew is a very pictorial language. The seed of the woman, the picture that is being used here, is the picture of the Messiah, that through Eve's offspring, the Messiah would come. That the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. And so God takes that hostility, that that separation, and instead of putting it between us and himself, which is what we deserve as a result of sin, which is what's created as a result of sin from Adam and Eve here, but then also for us as well. Instead, that separation goes between God and the seed of the woman, his son. When the Messiah comes, he's the one who takes on that separation, that, that hostility. And it's at the cross where that hostility finds that fulfillment. We hear Jesus talking about that on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is speaking about that hostility, that separation that he felt between himself and God. That separation is taken from us. And instead of judgment, which God said would be ours as a result of that sin, of eating from the tree that God told them not to, how sin entered the world, God would be the one that would remove it by placing it on his son 
on his shoulders on the cross. That's the promise that God is describing here as he is putting that hostility between him and Satan and no longer between us. And so as we look at the seed of the woman and the picture of the Messiah to come who would take away that hostility, we now see two seeds at play, the seed of unbelief versus the seed of faith. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It would not take long for Eve to see those seeds at odds in her own children. In chapter 3, verse 22 to 7 verses later, it reads, The Lord God said, Look, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now so that he does not reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. The Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the soil from which he had been taken. So he drove the man out, and in front of the Garden of Eden, he stays in cherubim and a flaming sword. What is God saying here? When we look at that verse, so this way he does not reach out his hand now that he's become like one of us, knowing good and evil, so that he does not reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. What is God's concern? What is God saying here? What God is not wanting to have happen in his uh, gracious discipline is for Adam and Eve to keep eating this fruit and perpetuate an endless life of sin. Eating that fruit would not change or undo what had happened. Sin was now in the world. Sin was going to wreak havoc on every aspect of their lives. Eating from that tree would only perpetuate living in this veil of tears. God put a barrier there so they could no longer eat from that tree, but again, focus on the seed that was to come, to focus on the Messiah who would redeem them from their sins and restore that perfection between God and man, that Adam and Eve could embrace and and rejoice in God's forgiveness found in Jesus and look forward to the new Eden, the new heavens and the new earth that, uh, that await. In chapter 4, again, we notice with names, as we look at the name of Cain, we notice, in especially in Old Testament times, especially as we read through the scriptures, the different names have substance or meaning behind them. Eve, as we learn in these chapters, means living. She would be the mother of, of all of the living. Uh, that's why Adam gave her that name. Cain, in chapter 4, verse 1, uh, we see Cain is a, a word that means to get or acquire. And so when Eve has her first son, she names him Cain, and she says, I have gotten a man with the Lord. What is she saying here? A comma is a good spot here to understand what she is saying. I have gotten a man, comma, the Lord. Eve was putting her trust and faith in what God said. From her offspring, from her seed, the Messiah would come. And in her mind, she already sees the fulfillment of God's promise here with Cain. The, the beauty of, of what she says here is that she believes the Lord. 
but she would have to wait for that seed to come. Uh, instead, what she would, would see as she gave birth to another son, Abel, she would see the seed of unbelief versus the seed of faith in her two children, as Cain would kill Abel. But in chapter 4, verse 5, it uses the phrase, look favorably, as it describes the offerings of Cain and, and Abel. Why is it that God looked with favor on one offering and not the other? Why was God looking favorably on Abel's offering, but not on Cain's? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, references this portion of Scripture and says that Abel gave an offering in faith. Ultimately, one offering was from the heart, the other was not. Abel gave from the first fruits, Genesis records for us, but it does not give that description of Cain. And Cain's reaction shows an attitude of the heart problem. Ultimately, Abel gave his offering out of faith and thanks for, uh, for God and what he has provided. Uh, Cain was, was not, his offering was not from faith. And still God tries coming to him, calling to him, letting him, warning him that sin was crouching at his door. God coming and uh, warning him of the, the dangers that were there, uh, but, was, but fell on unheeded ears. There are many different things we can look at in these chapters and, and verses or trying to understand one chapter from another. There's so many things that are here, and each, each time we, we get together, we're going to look at at least a few of those. Uh, but uh, if there's any phrases or any pictures that we don't cover here that you have an interest in, reach out and we'll be glad to uh, provide that information for you. Until then, we look forward to joining together tomorrow to put these chapters in in color, to put ourselves in this chapter, and what can God show us from that lens. This wraps up today's podcast. We invite you to join in next time and take the opportunity to share our podcast with someone in your life who could use some peace in the pastures. You can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at Christ Countryside Wells. W-E-L-S at yahoo.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministry of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. Music used with permission from Koine, part of their soundtrack to Oh That the Lord Would Guide My Ways. You can find their music on iTunes and many other online musical stores. Scripture used in this podcast is from the Evangelical Heritage Version, used with permission from the Wartburg Project. This is Pastor Daniel Lewig wishing you God's richest blessings on your day.